0: Let's face it, Brit happens. Success is rarely a straight line. It's a journey with many twists, turns, potholes, and unwelcome detours. The secret, however, lies in how we react. Keep listening to learn how to effectively respond to life's curveballs, improve your resilience, and how winners pivot from setbacks to success. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. Let's get started. excited to have with me on Brit Happens, my friend, attorney, and Florida State Representative for District 108, Dottie Joseph. Welcome, Dottie. Hi. How are you? Excellent. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I don't know if I'm as busy as you are. I have seen all the work that you've been doing over the last one and a half years, and most recently, in light of the coronavirus, you've been all over working super hard. So I'm excited to get into that a little later. But first, Dottie, for people who may not have had the pleasure of meeting you or knowing you, can you give us a brief synopsis on your background and how you got got here?
1: All right, Uh, wow, brief synopsis of my background. I was born in Haiti, so I have to shout that up. Uh, I was raised in Miami, a proud product of Miami-Dade Public Schools. And while I was there, I interned with the Public Defender's Office, if you could believe that. And my experience was such that I decided I did not want to be a lawyer. (laughs) Yep, we're going to put a pin in that one. And then I um, studied hard, went to Yale undergrad um, in Georgetown Law. While I was at Yale, I had the opportunity to intern with Congressman Peter Deutsch first in his district office here in Florida. And they liked me so much that they invited me to go intern in his Capitol Hill office in Washington, D.C. And believe it or not, I decided I didn't want to be a politician either. So put a pin in that one. (laughs) Um, And then I graduated and took a year off. During that year off, I interned with um, President Carter at the Carter Center in Atlanta, doing democracy development work in Latin America, the Caribbean, and West Africa. And then I did a program in The Hague in the Netherlands in mediation and conflict resolution. Once I graduated, I clerked for the second African-American chief judge they had in Washington, D.C., Judge Eugene Hamilton, and then came back home. Actually, before I came back home, I litigated class actions all around the United States. Um, Some of them went all the way up to the Supreme Court, employment discrimination, and I unapologetically kicked butt. Um, Then I came back home to serve, became the first Black attorney ever to work at the city of North Miami Beach, assistant deputy and interim city attorney. Um, and then, uh, just a whole bunch of other steps from there. And currently I'm serving in the Florida
0: legislature. Ooh, see, now you all can see why I'm so proud to have met Dottie. I, I, I didn't even mention it. I think it was what, six or seven years ago at a black Ivy mixer. And yep. I believe at that time, maybe you were at the city of North Miami beach. I didn't realize that that was history then. And I'm super proud of you where you are now. I can't believe it's been almost two years, like I mentioned. So Dottie, you said that you interned in the legal space and also in the political space, and we put a pin on those are two things you decided not to do, mm-hmm. but here you are. So what made you decide to run for public office?
1: All right, so we'll unpackage the the political office one first. So um, two things made me ultimately get to the point where I was ready to run. Um, Let me first talk about why I didn't want to be involved in politics. Number one, I thought that it was a system that wasn't really responsive to the people, and it was more for specific interests and lobbyists, and not all lobbyists are bad, so let me not put it out there like that, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't really people-focused, and that part was a big turnoff for me, Um, and you know, some people didn't really know what was in their bills, and that's just kind of the nature of how sometimes the legislative process works, so I had decided I didn't want any part of it. Fast forward, To 2015, I was serving as um, an attorney for the municipality and a couple of things happened and I'll I'll break them down two ways. One is um, my role as an attorney is to advise my client on how to do whatever. So if I'm advising the city commission on how to vote, um, I give them the legal parameters of what they can and can't do. And because it's me, I take the extra step of t- telling them, hey, here's the impact on the community. But at the end of the day, whether it's a good decision for the community, bad decision, corrupt, not corrupt, um, whatever, it's their vote to make,
0: right. not mine.
1: right? right? So um, between that, like so- sometimes they let us down. Um, and the person who held the seat before me, mm-hmm. um, let's just say I felt like, I could do a better job. And I got tired of begging people to do the right thing and decided to just try to claim a seat at the table to get it right myself. So that's reason number one. Reason number two, you know, at the time I was already a public servant, right? Um, making a a little six figure income, a job with a pension, immigrant mother's dream. But at the end of the day, whether it was, um, Like I knew I could be doing more. I don't know how to say it. Like I had a couple of car accidents um, back to back in 2015, one in August and um, two more in November. And it was insane. None of them were my fault. Um, But what I got out of that experience is number one, it slowed me down long enough for me to really reevaluate my life and take stock and what I was doing or not doing. And while I was already doing a good job, I knew I could be doing more. Mm -hmm. I could, I could be helping more people. So, um, I made the decision then that I was open to running for office. So not that I was going to run, but that I was open to it. And then, um, with the car accidents, a lesson that I took from that is something or someone, I mean, that, that was too much of a coincidence, right? Like three back to back, like something or someone didn't want me around. Right. And, But something or someone did want me around, and it was more powerful than the first thing. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea how much time I have left on this great big ball of mud we call Earth. But for however much time I have left, I want to do as much as I can, Mm -hmm. for as many as I can, for as long as I can.
0: So you were receptive to formal public service, because like we mentioned, you were already a public servant. And... What was the catalyst in, I don't know if it's 2016 or 2017, where someone had to have convinced you? Or was it yourself that was like, this, this seat is up. I want to take the leap of faith. Because that's something scary and courageous to do, particularly in, in this environment.
1: Yeah, um, it was totally scary. Um, people had been asking me to run for some time. And my answer up until those car accidents was always, hell no. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, I like my privacy, I have very low tolerance for BS, and just a whole host of other things. So how can I say this? Um, I just got to the point where... It it was, it was no longer just about me, right? Because if it was just about me, I I wouldn't be running for office because it's a tremendous financial sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of your time. It's a sacrifice of your energy. Like, because I'm doing one thing, I necessarily can't be doing another, but because I see the needs of our community and I know what I have to offer, right? I can get some stuff done in ways that some people may not be as effective. Um, so I figured for right now, I would just consider this a little fellowship for myself. Um, and I'd invest in myself right now, um, and do this for, for as long as the Lord calls me to do it. Um, because I think, I don't know that I can do it forever. I don't know if I'm one of those career, you know, politicians, politician. but right now I'm here to serve.
0: Um, so there you go. And we're lucky to have you. So Dottie, what has your first Two, almost two years been like in office? What's, what's it like in Tallahassee?
1: Ooh, um, it's been a learning experience to, to say the least. So okay. um, there's let's talk about the good first. So I was able to accomplish a lot in my first term, much more than people had anticipated. So my first go around, um, I passed three laws my first session um, as a freshman Democrat, which is a big deal. Some people go all eight years and never pass one bill. Um, And this last session, I brought home over a million dollars just to my district and several million that impact the district throughout Miami-Dade County through other programs um, that I care about. So that's that's a pretty big deal um, because some Republicans didn't even bring money home anyway. uh, (laughs) So the challenge. So, you know, I want to be real about what it is. So it's not just all peaches and cream. So those are some of the things I was able to to get through in spite of. Um, But the challenge that I'm finding in Tallahassee is, you know, I don't know how else to say it, but we just need more Democrats in office to get more substantive things done. Um, The things policy wise, the things that I'm most passionate about, you know, increasing equity. So access to things like healthcare, um, affordable quality healthcare, um affordable um housing and quality education regardless of your zip codes those are things that i care about in terms of equity right Mm -hmm. Um, but straight up republicans stand in the way of that like just point blank so whether we're talking about refusing to expand medicaid at the state level or doing things to dismantle important advances that we had through the Affordable Health Care Act. I mean, like it's just out of control, whether you're talking about pre-existing conditions, um, you know, access for low income folks and community health care centers, like they're trying to roll back all of that stuff. And those are things that are important to communities like the communities that I represent. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whether we're talking about refusing to loosen up policies that impede local government's ability to, you know, use very creative um, policies, whether we're talking about rent control or, um, you know, incentives for developers, all of that stuff, Tallahassee, just shut it down. And when I say Tallahassee, I'm talking about the Republican-led legislature. Um, In addition to that, you know, public education, like, where do I start? From the federal level to the state level, you got the wolf guarding the hen house, right? You got people who do not value, really value public education in charge of our public education policies, right? So that's that's problematic. So I'll just stop there, but I learned a lot.
0: <laughs> I am sure it's an ongoing learning experience, even even for the veterans. So which committees did you serve on? Are, are, are you serving on?
1: Sure, um, so my current committees include energy and utilities. I used to sit on quality education, but they took me off of that and put me for the next session on, um, it's called this local government committee and it seems like the anyway this that's another committee and <laughs> they sure. put me on another one called joint committee on collective bargaining okay. um and i'm on higher education appropriation so those are my official committees
0: well everyone's always trying to get on an appro- appropriation committee so yeah, yeah. appropriations matters yeah i i think very much so i was just trying to read your facial expression you didn't seem that excited but Oh, I mean,
1: here's the thing. Appropriations is great. And I'll I'll add one piece about that. So by serving on the Higher Education Committee between um, some of our members, the Black Caucus, Mm -hmm. um, and some members of alums of um, historically Black colleges, we were able to get an unprecedented amount of money for educational institutions like FAMU and um, several down here, Florida Memorial, Bethune-Cookman. So mm-hmm. these are positive things when we learn to work together. So right. serving on these committees has its benefits. So you can you know, directly access the chair and those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, you just need to hustle to get your stuff in the budget.
0: <laughs> right. How has COVID-19 affected your ability to lead?
1: Who COVID-19 has presented a challenge because there are a whole lot of needs. And I'm one of those people that like to try to fix things and meet people's needs. So whether we're talking about people having trouble with food, like Mm -hmm. accessing food or dealing with the whole crazy unemployment process, which is also in shambles. Because of Republicans, um, and you know, health education, um, making sure our community understands what impacts us, how it impacts us. So I've been doing my best to try to meet those needs. So whether we're talking about food distributions, whether it's you know something I sponsor my, myself with other organizations or um, elected officials, or just letting people know about ones that are happening. I'm a big proponent of I don't need to do everything right. Like if somebody's doing something well, I can just let you know about what they're doing if it meets your need, Um, but like beyond that, you know, really just kind of being there for people. And um, I found that it's, it's been very helpful to partner up with, with people to address things and whatever comes up. So it could be something like there was an issue that came up with FPL and you know, how they would be responding to certain people, During the course of the pandemic. So I got, you know, the letter that, you know, the Climate Climate Alliance and a couple of other electeds and folks put together and I went to work behind the scenes and we were able to get FPL to make some significant concessions. Like, for example, if you're having issues paying your bill, even now after the, the the state is quote unquote reopened, you know, they'll give you until the end of the month if you have, you know, late fees or whatever before they start disconnecting. But like little things like that where mm-hmm. I can work behind the scenes to get some things done are very helpful. Last thing I'll mention about COVID-19 and kind of that that particular question is, so I'm really concerned about health disparities even before COVID-19. Um, you know, Black women, whether we're talking about maternal mort- mortality rates or mm-hmm. um, certain really... Um, bad diseases that we have in our community, like we're just disproportionately impacted. And there's a whole host of reasons for that. We're not going to get into that right now. But, you know, what do we do structurally policy-wise to mitigate the impact of some of those disparities, right? Um, So one of the things that I've been focusing on is increasing access to underserved communities, which has now become, you know, a buzzword for, for some folks. And that's great. So after a month or so of pushing, we finally got the first walk-up testing site open um, in Miami-Dade County, which is a big deal. Right. Um, and that's something that you know lots of folks have been pushing for, and it was a team effort. So it's not, it's not something I'm like taking credit for, but it's something that I've been pushing for behind the scenes and found mm-hmm. a lot of partners along the way to get it done. So that was um, tremendously satisfying. In addition, we're also doing stuff to focus on the Haitian-American community, which has often been left out um when they're doing their targeting their messaging people don't understand that like if they speak creole they don't know what you're saying on tv you need to like reach out right like anyway just don't exist and they'll do stuff in spanish but not in creole yo like really come on we're like the second largest um you know linguistic group in um, florida second to spanish only really so Anyway, so little things like that. So that's, that's been the impact with COVID. But you know what? I'm here to rise to the occasion.
0: <laughs> right. I was going to say with, I mean, the internet obviously being prevalent pre-corona, I would think the only major change is of you not being physically able to touch your constituents. But I see tons of videos, um, press conferences you guys are doing six feet apart. So
1: the ball has not stopped rolling. No, it hasn't. In fact, I would even tell people my work has increased after Corona because now I'm just working from home, but like there's a lot more things to address, a lot more issues that, you know, they might have been issues before, but now they're like to the forefront, right? Right. Um, And, you know, I'm constantly thinking about ways to address somebody's concern that somebody raised, who can I put them in touch with? And, you know, it's bearing fruit, but it's a lot.
0: It's extremely time consuming, like we said, whether it's pre or during Rona. And I think people have more time also to raise their concerns. I didn't want to say complain, so which puts extra work on your plate. But you're still. Yeah, I mean, I don't
1: call it complaining. How are
0: you looking good? (laughs) You don't look worn down at all. So (laughs)
1: listen, I try, man, but um, but seriously, like, I don't even consider it complaining because if somebody has a need. I really do want them to reach out. Like even if I'm not the direct person to address that need, I can try to do my best to connect them to somebody who can. Like if you're you're at home and you can't figure out how to feed your family, I want you to holler at me. I don't want you to just suffer in silence. Like that's literally what I'm here for. That's that's literally my job. So please don't call it complaining you know, if, if, if you're, if you're watching this and you got something and you're in and around my district, even if you're not in my district, I can connect you with, you know, the folk, like the person like me in your district, um, who can help you out. So you hear that.
0: What are the priorities in
1: your district? So, um, my priorities in the district, as I mentioned earlier, has to do with equity and access, whether we're talking about health, education, or housing. So um, figuring out ways to mitigate and address those issues. So at the state level, there are certain things I can do, but there are things that need to happen at the local level and at the federal level. So working with my colleagues to make sure that we can you know, figure out ways to address those issues. Um, second is, um, climate and, and, and the environment. So not just climate change. I also, for me, lump in, you know, safety, um, in terms of gun safety. So what is our environment like? I want to make sure that people feel safe. Um, not just from like rising tides, but like flying bullets. I want to make sure that you're safe in our community. So those are some, some environmental issues that, um, I, I, prioritize. And then lastly, but certainly not least, because it feeds into all of the other stuff, is economic um, prosperity, right? So with that, I lump in trying to connect job seekers to employers who are trying to, you know, identify certain skill sets or we can train. So I I like to try to connect people with those folks. And similarly, I also want to make sure that we're supporting our small businesses in the community. So, you know, pre-corona, we used to do a series of different workshops um, to address this economic piece because I feel like once you can take care of yourself, the entire community is going to be better. And a lot of times it's just a matter of lack of access to education, whether it's how to get certified in certain things or where to look for certain jobs, how to apply, just just really connecting people with some of those resources so they can be more self-sufficient.
0: I'm happy that you touched upon, like you said, it's not the least, but the economic development, I think a lot of our social ills can be resolved when the economic portions are addressed. This is a huge time commitment, something that you're passionate about, but still, we all only have 24 hours in a day. So how are you able to balance your personal life, your professional life, and your civic and political life?
1: well, um... So not really that effectively, but I'm working (laughs) on it, like real talk. So I'm trying to build in time, um, but doing that is a bit of a challenge, right? Considering the needs um, that are out there, what I've learned is that I need to just make time because I never have time. If I'm waiting for time, like there's always something more for me to work on. I have like a gazillion emails. All kinds of text messages, and I try to make sure that I respond to most things within 24 to 48 hours. I and try. like Dottie,
0: not to interrupt her, this is what this is what she wrote me back when I said, "Dottie, we got to do this" because I've been trying to do this, and Dottie's always responsive, but clearly very busy. She said, "I don't have time, but I will make the time." Which it's funny because I, I I say the same thing. Um, yeah. It's all about priorities. I feel like there's always something that can be done. Hence why I'm somewhat confused when people are saying they're bored during Corona. I'm like, there's how, but that's a whole nother conversation. So I I appreciate that daddy cut out a slither of time and that's how you've been trying to juggle all the different facets of your layered life.
1: For sure. Um, and, And I'll, let me say one more thing about that. Okay. So, you know, the routines that I used to have to kind of mitigate that, that I built in Corona has, you know, disturbed my yoga class. I can't go to the gym and hang out the people. So I have to just figure something else out, but being intentional, whether it's about working out or connecting with friends and family, that has been a huge, just kind of like mitigating factor, right? As you're checking in with people, it's always nice to check in. And sometimes we forget in our busy lives, but like, I, I literally like put aside time to just check in on friends and family. And that's, that's been um, a good piece for the balance.
0: Yeah, that keeps you sane. Dottie, what so, advice would you give yourself 10 years ago?
1: So the advice that I would give to me 10 years ago is it's great to make plans <laughs> and it's okay if they don't work out. Like it's really okay, right? You just adjust. And and it's probably more beneficial and valuable to learn that adjusting process than just the planning process. The planning is good, right? And you go execution mode, but some things at the end of the day are really just beyond your control, but your ability to kind of like, you know, move Mm -hmm. with those punches and swing, you know, whatever life throws at you, Mm -hmm. that's what's going to really get you through and just being flexible, mentally, physically, emotionally at whatever comes your way. So that's one thing. Another thing is that it's, it's okay to trust your gut. You know, some people call it the Holy Spirit. Some people call it your gut. Some people, whatever it is that's directing you as to what you should and shouldn't do, who you should and should not hang out with, you know, which moves you should and shouldn't make, trust Mm -hmm. that, right? And one of the things I used to always try to do, because I'm super rational, right? I'm super like analytical. (laughs) And I'd be like, well, that doesn't really make sense. And You know what? It doesn't have to make sense. And you know, you or a moment ago you asked me of whether or not I would get into the accident or not, and I wasn't going to, but um, something's telling me to mention this part. So, right before I got into the accident, so this is a route I was taking to work, I take the route every day. Mm-hmm. I just made a left, and the first interst- intersection there was no you know control for me, no control device, meaning no stop sign or anything for me. But the next one was, so I was already focused on the next one, but before I got to first one, like halfway through something told me to stop, right? Not an audible voice and not like a burning bush experience, but it was a very strong command, like stop. Mm-hmm. So I like darn near broke my toes, slammed on the brake and you don't stop right away. There's a little bit of momentum. So right. I slam on the brake and I'm moving forward. And as I, and everything goes into slow motion. And as I'm going a little bit forward out of the periphery, I almost perceive something. I can't quite see what it is, but it's something it's moving very fast but I already slammed on my brakes. So by the time I get to the intersection, I blink. And then that's what, and I open my eyes and I see the impact. And this car had like crushed slash front swipe the front of my car and I blink again and then the airbag deploys and I blink again. And then um, her car is stuck off to the side and mine is stuck in the middle of the road. Now, had I, had I not stopped, had I done what I normally do and try to analyze the situation and say, well, I have the right of way or honk the horn or any of the things mm-hmm. that I you know, naturally gravitate to doing, I would not be talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that happens with a lot of us in a lot of other parts of our lives. We meet somebody that we know is no good for us or a job that you know is just going to be trouble. But because of whatever factors we convince ourselves, oh, well, let me just, right? And sometimes you need to just say no. It's okay to say no. It's okay to walk away. No, you don't always have to have a reason. No, you don't
0: have to explain yourself. Sometimes it's okay to just trust your gut. I think it's always best to trust your gut. I'm very similar to you, Dottie, in terms of I always try to analyze everything. It has to make sense in my type A brain. But when I look back in any situation, professional, romantic, a friendly relationship, I'm like, had I just gone with that gut feeling, maybe I wouldn't be here. But it doesn't make sense to go back in the past. But that's something that I'm trying to implement now in my life. And clearly, you have to.
1: so that's. I, I know that's right. And so one more thing I would say that I would remind my 10 year, 10 year ago or 20 year ago self mm-hmm. is, you know, accomplishments are cool and helping people is important. Cause that's like, kind of like my, my life's passion. Mm-hmm. Um, but also make time to live your life and enjoy it. That's because huge. we only have one and we don't know how much time we have. Right. You know, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to go out there. Don't be afraid to try something. Like, just just do it. Like, live. Because if you're not living your life, so ain't nobody going to live it for you.
0: Exactly. And like you said, I love when you describe the earth as this ball of mud. I'm going to use that now. We don't know when our last day is. Not to sound morbid. But just just like, if you didn't just do it, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about your um, accomplishments and <laughs> millions that you brought back home. So. Yeah. Here, coming from you, Dottie, who's like super, That. Powerful. Daddy, can you share with us some of your most memorable projects that you've worked on?
1: OK, I'll break them down in categories. In the legislature, my most memorable project was um, passing a bill that allows victims of domestic violence to qualify for unemployment compensation if they have to leave their job because of a domestic violence situation. It's one of those laws where you know, you hope you never have to use it. You hope nobody you know ever has to use it. But if they do, then it's there. I so that's why,
0: that.
1: Yeah. Um, outside of the legislature, I would say two things I'm I'm proud of is um, when I was working with United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees in Egypt, um, I was able to help resettle over 120 Sudanese refugees um, to to start a new life in Finland, which was the country wow. that was accepting them at the time. So that that was pretty satisfying. And lastly. Um, during the 2010 earthquake in Haiti, mm-hmm. um, I was in contact with a lot of people on the ground and I had a friend who was on the ground who was running an orphanage at the time. And um, I had another friend who had a brother who was a, you know in the military and doctor experience and lots of other folks. Point is, during that time when it was hard to like get through, I had to call 30 times to make it through. Mm-hmm. I was able to connect them to very life-saving resources, whether it's how to get medical anesthesia or whatever, because somebody needed to do an amputation or, you know, how to get connect them to folks at the army. Cause I knew somebody um, in the white house to connect them to, you know, get the resources to them. So, you know, to put this in context, this little compound that normally had about 150 people between the kids and the the staff ended up swelling to about a thousand the first night and then 2,000 the next night because their houses had crumbled and there was nowhere for them to go. So I was able to, to just, just kind of hang out in the background and just get something done that that really helped people. So th- that's were, what
0: you, I was. were you were you were on the ground?
1: Because so I, I was you. in Miami. No, actually, at the time I was in Haiti. I mean, oh. not Haiti. DC. Okay. I was in. D- And I was calling people in Haiti, connecting them with people, other people in Haiti, or who were going to Haiti so that they could get these resources. Um, and A lot of times we were successful, but sometimes we weren't. Like, there was a search and rescue mission for my godson um, and his mom, and that wasn't successful. But we still tried.
0: Anyway, yeah. I did not i have no idea about this whole mi- so when what what years was this sorry if i missed 2010 there was a massive earthquake that hit haiti right you know, Made
1: news all around and it was it was during that time
0: i did not know that i'm sorry Jody. Mm, not your fault okay <laughs> it's all good and
1: that's that's just it it's all good right like you know, you just, you just go with whatever life throws at you and you, you do what you can and what you can't, you can't. But if it's
0: in your power, you do it. You should like highlight some of this stuff more. I guess you just don't. It's too emotional.
1: No, I just, I mean, wh- how is it relevant? And I don't want to just, that's just not me. There's, we, there's a lot we of things. never come about. across
0: as being school, And I'm not mm-hmm. just telling you that. I, I think. You are obviously a very humble but impressive person. Otherwise, I wouldn't even like you as a person. So I think that more people should know. So I'm going to be one of the first to blast it, Dottie. And then you can repost it so they can see. Because I think people, at least from my point of view, look at you as a highly educated attorney who is now serving in office. But they don't know all of the other public servant things that you've been working on and how close to home it is. So I'm going to toot the horn, toot, toot. <laughs> I think it's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud to, to know you.
1: Because Lord knows I'm, I'm terrible at it.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going to take the first rope and this is important. So, all right, Dottie, we're switching this, this, the energy right now. Yeah. And first question in the fire round. What's the last thing that you bought on Amazon? Um, a headset that's supposed to be
1: um, it's like air headset so that you don't have to get radiation or something like that so I had one a long time ago and I couldn't find it so I was like you know what I'm on the phone a lot so let me like try to protect myself (laughs) so that's the last thing I bought on Amazon I still haven't gotten it yet now that you mentioned it now that that. I
0: bring it up okay you gotta call the call center after this okay what's your favorite word justice Mm -hmm. all right between your room, car, and kitchen, what's the first thing that you would clean?
1: None of the above? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um probably, I guess, probably my room. My room. Okay.
0: I feel like with when my space gets, because I'm definitely not, an OCD person but if my environment is cluttered I just can't perform as well so I force myself to
1: yeah I'm, I'm one of those I'm one of those weird people where it, it can be messy if I'm focused on something else right because okay. if I'm focused I don't have time for a lot of things and I have to like be judicious and, and <laughs> do triage about my time but then when things calm down I like to clean, clear out the space so that I, I can just relax a little bit and more. enjoy it Yeah. Um, But even within the clutter, I know where everything is. So I'm okay with the clutter until I have time to deal with the clutter. If that makes sense.
0: Okay. (laughs) I I was, I, I don't know if I can adopt that, but I respect it. All right. No, different, different people have
1: different personalities. Like some people like they're messy. all get out, but they can tell you exactly where everything is. And there's other people who need it completely pristine before they can focus. And I'm somewhere in between like, if I, if I really just don't have time, I just don't have time. And I know that, and I'm okay with it. Right. But when I have time, I like to keep it clean. Okay,
0: that's fair. I'm somewhere in the middle, too. All right, Dottie, what is the first place for leisure that you would like to go after some of the restrictions from corona are lifted? The first place? Mm-hmm. I know you like to travel. Yeah.
1: Um, well, I was supposed to take a vacation in March after session, and that never happened. So okay. anywhere with the beach would be nice. Um,
0: so yeah, probably somewhere away. I'm surprised uh, that you, being you know Miamians that you would mention a place with the beach. Yeah,
1: I mean I like to c- compare different beaches. Okay. Like some beaches, they're pretty, but they're not nice, right? Like Hawaii has really nice beaches, but some of their sand is not very nice for your toes,
0: right? Um, like I'm a I'm a, be- I'm a bit of a beach snob <laughs> kind of or like sister. she says the same thing and I'm like I don't get it. but she's like the sand the graininess of the sand and all these different factors to evaluate okay. I need it to be soft I,
1: you know in, in the Caribbean like Haiti and a lot of other places our water is pretty see-through okay. so it's it's interesting when I go to places and you can't like see your toes through the water I was like it's
0: some dirt and you call this a beach please okay let's see if okay would you mind sharing one or two of your favorite local restaurants? Favorite
1: local restaurants. It just kind of depends on what mood I'm in. Cause I'm so, I'm such a foodie and I like trying new things all the time. Okay. Um, and I like all kinds of cuisine. So it really just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Um, so since quarantine time I've been exploring with like uber eats right mm-hmm. so I found this one restaurant in my this Haitian restaurant in Miami garden called like Caribbean delights or something okay. is somewhat a little bit impressive and it's like off the beaten path I would have never found it if we were not like on lockdown <laughs> um so you know that's kind of cool and um there are lots of little restaurants in my district that are like not far that I I, I like. So mm-hmm. there's one restaurant. I'm not going to say the name. I'm going to spell it so you don't think I'm cursing at you. But it's called P-H-U-C. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> they have lots of good little treats um, when I go there. <laughs> okay. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> so they,
1: they have like good little stuff. Um, there's another restaurant. um and by my mom's house in Pembroke Pines in that place called um Village Tavern like
0: okay.
1: some places are hit or miss that one's always a hit like i've never had a miss there okay. so that's like a good solid you know safe choice so those are those are some of my my
0: spots all right i'm more interested in the middle one it's just okay
1: <laughs> so i'll look and that i up. got a whole lot more in my district like right there all on second ave northeast
0: second avenue there's uh-huh. a bunch of
1: them that are just really good okay um yeah
0: Like you mentioned, we're able to, some of the silver lining in this uh, lockdown is just exploring things that we ordinarily would overlook for something that we frequent often. So you're like, I guess, but. No, I agree. Good point. Okay. And Dottie, most importantly, how can people find you online and get in contact with you? Okay,
1: awesome. So Um, if it's something official, like if you need help with something or whatever, the best way is to call my office during business hours. That number is 305-892-4296. If, um, you have questions, there's something that I've sparked in your mind about what I said here. Um, you would like to intern or volunteer or anything like that. Um, you can hit me up on IG. I actually respond to my own Instagram and my Instagram is just Dottie Joseph. And that's spelled with one T. So it's D-O-T-I-E Joseph. You just follow me and um, inbox me and I will respond. So that those are probably the best ways to to reach out to me. If you want an email, my official email, which my staff checks is dottie.joseph at myfloridahouse.gov. Um, and if you, so we're in campaign mode too. Um, I've kind of paused everything because of Corona, Um, but 2020 I'm up for re-election again right here in August. And we're trying to figure out what our budget looks like. So if you want to contribute, you like what you hear and you want to support, just hit me up on dottyjoseph.com. Once again, that's D-O-T-I-E joseph.com slash give, or you can just learn more about me on that website as well.
0: Dottie, thank you so, so much. This was extremely informative. I learned more about you than (laughs) I knew just... Uh, 45 minutes ago, and I'm excited to see what the future holds, and for us to catch up in person once we're able to get back to a face-to-face establishment. So
1: I know that's right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll have a brunch. (laughs) I know for sure, brunch happy hour. Okay. Thanks again. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Brit Happen. If you like what you heard. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google. You can also find me online at www.britthappens.com. And on social media, Instagram or Facebook, at Brittany Sharpton. See you next time.